Hello and welcome to another episode of Monkey Business, the podcast that delves into the monkey minds and how the leaders of today, the kings and queens of their own jungles, manage to silence that monkey chatter in their heads. And my guest this week is me, an unusual uh, episode perhaps. And it's because I have a new course coming up called The Realigned Leader. And I realised through all the other podcasts I'm appearing on as a guest, all the articles I'm sharing, that my thinking behind my new course, behind the therapy and the coaching I offer, and behind how my life has manifested today and the challenges I've come through to really be in charge of my own mind, my own life, my own destiny, is incredibly relevant to my own podcast. So I'm Rosalind Palmer. And to bring out the best today, I'm being interviewed by fellow coach and podcast host from The Focus Bee, Katie Stoddart. And Katie has approached the interview also for broadcast on her podcast. So I'm going to hand over now to Katie, who will be interviewing me, and I hope you enjoy this episode of Monkey Business with me, the guest, Rosalind Palmer. Welcome to a brand new episode of The Focus Bee Show. I am thrilled today to be here with Rosalind Palmer. Rosalind is an award-winning transformational coach and therapist. She combines RTT, hypnotherapy, and NLP to create deep changes. Her core message is she wants to help people to feel as good on the inside as it looks on the outside. Welcome, Rosalind, to The Focus Bee Show. It is wonderful to have you here today. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you for asking me. I'd like to begin today's interview with your book. So three years ago, you wrote the book Reset. What is the key message of this book and what is your journey that led you to write it? Well, it says what it does on the tin, really, which I think there's many times that there's a lot of dialogue at the moment about resetting the world, ironically, with what we we are coming through in our current times. And repeatedly in my past, I had that desire. On your computer, you can press that reset button when it all gets too much and it, it kind of takes it either back to factory settings or it, it resets everything. And I realized that I'd had a desire or I'd been working in a way to reset my life because elements circumstances and of course you know we can we can become metaphysical and say or Freudian and say there's no such thing as a mistake and you manifest your own reality but a lot had happened to me repeatedly and I'd come through a lot of quite challenging events and often come through with great resilience and great tenacity and then eventually they stacked and stacked and stacked and stacked and pretty much you know floored me but I did come back again and so um, I think it became my internal mantra of oh here we go (laughs) let's hit that reset button again and so I started to tell my story about five or six 
maybe six years ago, I started to be interviewed on radio, etc., because I have a background in communication. And people kept saying, oh, you should write a book. Um, and when you've heard that enough times, you think, yes, I should write a book. So that's exactly what I did. And the idea behind the book is really, it's semi-autobiographical in so much as I do talk with vulnerability, with candor uh, about times that were an incredible challenge to me that led me to want to press that reset button. I talk about how I did press that reset button and some were really elegant and positive and some really were not. Um, and then wearing my therapeutic, because I'm a rapid transformational therapist and clinical hypnotherapist hat, and also my coaching hat, I then give people exercises and ways that if they're facing that challenge, perhaps they could get through with a little bit more elegance and ease. Could you give us an example of one of these tools to reset? Yes. So there's a chapter about, um, so I talk about the five Fs quite a lot, but we'll come on to that maybe later. But there's a chapter really about feeling very resentful about things that have happened and gone wrong in your life. And so I talk about radical forgiveness. And whilst I'm not a priest, and so I can't necessarily say to people, or I'm not entirely 100% sure looking at my own depth of my heart, that there have been some things that have happened to me where I'm like, yes, it's absolutely fine. I have risen above that and you are completely forgiven. Forgiveness is key to letting go. It's that message of, not forgiving somebody is like walking around with a cup saying poison and their name on it. But because you can't find them, you keep taking a sip from it. So that would be an incredibly simple example. And it's probably that's probably nothing you've heard, not heard before. But it is really about all these little hacks, because I got to the point where I was so overwhelmed with events that were taking place. And you did ask me what had led to it. So from being the poster girl for success, because I ran a PR company in London, I came through PR in the 80s, all the leading agencies and advertising and marketing, formed my own agency in the early 90s. In 2000, I sold my agency and aged 40, I was a millionaireess. I had an eight bedroom house in London and I moved to the Bahamas. So it's like the poster girl for success. Five years later, I was back in the UK, a single unemployed mother, having just buried my mother from pancreatic cancer and coming through cancer treatment myself, having lost or having been the victim of lost a lot of those life savings. And so everything I thought I'd worked for, sacrificed for, paid the price of admission for, that glorious life that on a beach in the Bahamas was pretty much taken away from me. And it was so overwhelming. I'd lost my home, I'd lost my identity, I'd lost my country, I'd lost my friends, I'd lost my mother, I'd lost my marriage, I'd lost my future, I'd lost my career. Um, that I did have to have CBT and quite a lot of therapy. And, it, and it's at those times that the smallest thing, the smallest hack, the smallest needle point, the one screw that turns can actually set your trajectory away from all of that. So I'm a great believer in not underestimating the power of the small steps. 
Yes, I can imagine that these tools all added up and helped you to realign and to re-figure things out. Was it at that moment that you then that you then trained as a hypnotherapist and CBT and coach? No, I clearly, the universe clearly felt I should have a few more life lessons, Katie. <laughs> You'd think, wouldn't you? Um, so, yes, I'd come through cancer. I'd come through all of that. Uh, I'd come through the very interesting experience of living on an, a remote island in the Bahamas for a couple of years. No, I I did reset at that time. I thought, what do I know? What can I do? I didn't want to go back to London as a single parent. And also I was around my parents because my mother was terminally ill and my father had had a stroke as well and, and had psychiatric problems. So I went back to live at home, never thinking I ever would return to Nottingham, my roots, but I did for all of those reasons. I thought about what do I want to do and interestingly I thought I want to be a life coach that would be brilliant I'm going to go into coaching and I knew this company called Go Mad Thinking Go Make a Difference and they do coaching business coaching they do leadership training and development within organizations and I thought that's it that's what I need to do but I had absolutely no money whatsoever because it was all tied up and frozen at that time so I contacted them and I said, can I come on your course and train? And in return, I'll do PR and marketing for you because <laughs> here's a skill set. I have, you know, 20 year background and a very good pedigree. And I went to do that and I never ended up being one of their coaches because immediately they went, oh, you can be a marketing director. Um, although it had a very fancy job title, insight and innovation director. So for three and a half years, I, I was the marketing director by all intents and purposes for that company. And during that time, I remarried. During that time, uh, the divorce was made and the settlement was made. I did have some money. I bought a very nice house in the same village as my parents. I thought I'd reset. I thought, there we go. Bingo. <laughs> Come through it all. And I've done well. No, wrong. Um, so here's the life lessons from that, Katie. One, don't marry your childhood sweetheart. Um, <laughs> because although it did seem like rescue at the time, we'd had a 30-year very different life and very different trajectory. And I, I think that original, oh, this is incredible. Like, isn't this exciting? And we've come back together. We were very different people. The menopause hit. Do not underestimate the freight train for women that is the menopause. And I did genuinely start to think I was going crazy. Um, and so I left that job because I felt I needed to go part time. And I also was at a point where I wanted to give something back. So still in that marriage and in that place, I became head of marketing and communications for an international charity, the Leprosy Mission. And I spent nearly five years working with the world's most marginalized people because people with leprosy are below the untouchables in India. And so I spent five years becoming a voice for the voiceless, an advocate, changing laws in India, fundraising. And, you know, that was an incredible time in my life. Uh, there's nothing like standing in Mumbai under a six lane highway in the boiling heat and dust and dirt with people who live there and literally only have a cup to their name to start putting everything in your life into perspective 
Um, and so I think that was part of my spiritual journey, that it broke me open to being incredibly grateful for what I did have. That second marriage failed, unfortunately. And it was at that point, Katie, that um, I decided I was going to move into therapy and coaching, yeah. Nice. I, I'm thinking, since you wrote that book three years ago, how has your message evolved? How has it changed since then? It has changed. And, and it dawned on me last year because I was being interviewed quite regularly on the theme of resilience and resetting and coming back from adversity and burnout. So technically, I never burnt out. I, I you know, I, I left in a blaze of glory to the Bahamas. And it was really only implosion that happened over the following years. I, I would arguably say the cancer that I had was the price I'd paid for all of that, you know, those 80-hour weeks. But I actually didn't burn out. And I started to think, no, I didn't burn out, actually. Because people would say to me, so, when did you burn out? And I was like, well, actually, I didn't. Um, but all these things happened to me. So last year, it dawned on me, because I did a lot of uh, reflection, as I think a lot of people did, the world did, that I'd effectively outgrown my message and it didn't sit right with me anymore. And so I realized that what I really bring, um, particularly to the go-to clients I tend to work with, who I'd previously called burnt out Barbara and Bob, and then I thought, no, they're not burnt out. They're six-figure earning you know, high achievers, they're not burning out. They, they thrive on it, a lot of them. They absolutely love it. You know, they're really kick-ass. They, they don't procrastinate. They're incredible people. But I realized there was a mismatch, a misalignment, a bit like the film As Good As It Gets with Jack Nicholson when he's seemingly got everything and he goes, is this as good as it gets? And I realized that was it because I've lived amongst billionaires in the Bahamas. I've worked for the royal family doing PR and celebrities. I've been very rich myself, you know, and I've seen very poor people. Um, I've really genuinely done it from absolute extremes. And what I realize is the thing that really destroys you is that emptiness inside, that void inside, that mismatch. And so my message now is making your super successful life feel as good on the inside as it looks on the outside. And how do you help people to do that? <laughs> well, one of the ways I help them to do that is to actually enjoy their toys, if you like, because... You work and work and work and you get these things. And I told a story about Tony Robbins. So I, I did the PR for Tony Robbins in the 90s. And then I did the whole of his Mastery University in the mid-90s. And a lot of his, he's a great storyteller. And a lot of his stories stayed with me. And I remembered a story he told about his hot tub. And Tony said that he'd got this beautiful house. I, I don't know where it was, but it'd be somewhere beautiful. Um, and beautiful hot tub and lots of things. And he was working, working, working. And he came home early one day or unexpectedly. And he found his maid in the hot tub. I think, you know, having a glass of something. And he was okay about it because he'd said to her, because she lived there, you know, please avail yourself of, you know, my home. And she said, Mr. Robbins, Mr. Robbins, I love your hot tub. I go in every day at the end of a long day. You should try it sometime. And he realized he'd never been in it. He'd never been in his own hot tub. He realized he never lived in his own life. 
he never really enjoyed the house that he was working hard, the lifestyle that he was creating to have all these things. He wasn't enjoying them. He wasn't availing himself. His maid was having a much nicer lifestyle than he was. He was on the road and in hotels most of the time. She was living in his multi-million pound mansion. So it's really about remembering why you got your hot tub, why you created your beautiful house and enjoying it. And of course, that comes with many needs for that freedom. Some people can't enjoy that because they don't think they deserve it. So the great thing about my programs, and I've got an online program coming up, is that they are underpinned by the deep therapeutic um, training and understanding I have. Because some of those Groundhog Day patterns sometimes, you can't always shift cognitively. Sometimes you do need that deep dive to really understand why is it I feel guilty about enjoying my own hot tub? Or why is it I never make time for myself? Why is it all I've been divorced eight times, you know, because I don't feel that relationships are available to me or that relationships are the price I pay for the money in the bank? You know, why is that misalignment there? And so the one-on-one work I do either therapeutically or coaching-wise And then a couple of years ago, I won an award for a combined package. And I thought, hey, we're really onto something here. The combination of the the therapeutic and the coaching approach. Yes, it's, it's a winner. And I'm really expanding that more and more. And I've got my first online course, The Realigned Leader, uh, launching uh, in mid-July. Really exciting. Really exciting. Really, really exciting. What are some other aspects of this course that you cover to help people to really realign? Because that's what your course is all about. Yeah, absolutely. So I've I've for some time been talking about the five Fs, um, which is a really easy to understand principle, which is um, a balanced life is friends, family, faith, finance and fitness. And then I realized that I was missing off a very important other aspect, which is fun. So so working on really my core philosophy, and this is a core philosophy from the 90s. I found my company values and the company precepts that I built my award-winning PR company on in the 90s and I was I was on to all of that then because it came through the work I did with Tony Robbins, Edward de Bono, Brandon Bayes. I worked for all these people and of course it rubbed off. So it's really um, an extension of that. So I'm going to take people through all the pillars of their life. So faith, which is really about their relationship with themselves, their values, their hopes, their desires, their vision, fitness, mind and body if you don't have the both and I've got an online course called 60 plus ways to increase your productivity energy and focus so we'll be using a lot of those hacks and then relationships I've got friends family and foes Um, and sometimes that can be one and the same can't it but it's really about having the best relationship with yourself the best relationship intimately with others but also keeping boundaries for those boundary busters also healing and moving on from immature parenting or narcissistic or difficult relationships and then finance 
And again, if people already are big earners, it's about enjoying their wealth. With other people, it might be more creating a money or wealth mindset. And sometimes people need systems and procedures. And then fun. So that's really about celebrating what you've achieved and enjoying your toys. So they're the pillars which will go across the 12 weeks. It's one-on-one coaching with me. There's lots and lots of support material because I come from a a background of um, PR and marketing. Clearly, I come from a customer service background. So I, I do understand really about the having a course that incredibly works, is incredibly supportive with workbooks. I'll also offer bonuses of hypnotic recordings after each a meeting, which means that people can go away and really put that in or install that, or anchor that at the deepest, deepest level. Yes, it's fantastic that you work both on the conscious level through coaching them, through taking them through these tools, but also the subconscious, like you said, with either, you know, recordings they can listen to, but in general, because you're also a clinical hypnotherapist, sort of combining both consciously and subconsciously really helps, I think, to go deeper. Totally. And of course, within a group context, I'm not going to be going, so tell me about your childhood. <laughs> you know, I don't think people in that group context are going to want to maybe do the same level of um, disclosure as they do clearly on a one-on-one level. So we won't be doing that. But I've got therapeutic language. I've got therapeutic hacks. I understand about the kind of key principles of the mind. And so all of that really does underpin my work. And in your podcast, Monkey Business, going on a bit of a tangent here, but I feel it's also the same type of message. So overcoming your monkey mind to be realigned. Totally. So, for example, my latest guest um, was Dan Astin Gregory, and he is the host of the Pandemic podcast. And he's had over 2 million listeners since he launched, so no pressure. Um, Luckily, I've been a radio presenter on an actual radio show for um, probably four or five years, so uh, it doesn't faze me. But I wasn't talking to him about, oh, why? Well, I was in a way, you know, why do you have a pandemic podcast? It's not whether I agree or disagree with his views on the pandemic or the people that he's interviewing. My interest is his mindset behind why did he reach a point where he felt he had to raise his head above the parapet and actually speak out what he felt was his truth, which clearly has had a lot of plaudits, but also a lot of, you know, really nasty um, kind of hate mail, etc. for people who, who find the views that he's putting forward um, contrary to their own, shall we say. So, yes, exactly. I'm digging into the mindsets. I'm digging into the mindsets of those people who are kings and queens of their own jungle. So it is about the monkey mind. It's about that chatter. It's about that monkey chatter in your mind. Why is somebody like Anne Widdicombe a key politician or used to be a key politician in the UK or Andrea Gonkopachova, who was um, Slovakian Woman of the Year? She's head of 
Philip Morris International across three countries. She's just been named one of the top 100 most influential Czech women in the um, in in Czech uh, by Forbes magazine. Um, I'm interviewing people of that caliber, and I'm really interested in my podcast about how have they tamed that monkey mind? How have they stopped that chatter? How have they kind of trained their monkey mind, if you like? To, to get through and to take them to be, you know, super succeed, successful leaders and achievers. Um, because mindset is everything, really, as I'm sure you would agree. <laughs> Definitely, 100%. And what was, for example, one tool, one piece of advice that one of your guests told you on how to train our monkey mind? They all do have a lot of similarities. They're all highly disciplined. Um, they're all the, they're not exactly the 5am club, you know, but they are the eat the elephant first, you know, do what you don't want to do in the morning, set yourself up for a win, um, get the things you don't want to do out of the way. And then they're not hanging over you all day. I mean, one of the, one of the guests was Banda Goldwag, who was a former client when I had my PR agency she ended up as deputy MD and then MD of Air Miles the BA subsidiary and Vanda's actually Vanda has to say to herself don't respond so quickly that sometimes you don't sit on it and maybe think about that email and wait her advice to herself because she is so motivated to deal with things immediately to deal with it to get on with it You'd know that if you email Banda, you'd usually get a reply, you know, clearly not if she was in a meeting, but really quickly. So, um, so yes, they have to have the caveat of what maybe is right for them. Her caveat was actually, sometimes I need to sit on that email maybe for a day and then revisit it the next day and think, is that the right tonality? I think they all all pick up the phone they're all people who don't hide behind emails or assistants or other things they're all incredibly brave um what else do they all have in common they all really care about all of that balance within their life that my course is aimed at they all really really invest in themselves in terms of being really fit and healthy and the best they can be because they know they can't be at peak performance within their business without that so, yes, I think they're just some of the things that they all have in common. It's always interesting to look at the patterns of these people because things that come up over and over and over again tend to be a good sign that these are things that are useful to overcome our monkey mind or to work on these aspects in ourselves. Well, yes. And of course, you've got Stephen Covey, you know, the seven habits of highly successful people. But what's great in my podcast is it's about the mindset behind the habit. You know, what's the mindset? What's the thinking that gets you to the habit? Um, so, yes, I'm sort of like, you know, it's the prequel. It's the prequel to the seven habits. It's like the how many of a number habits there are about the mindset before you create the habit, before you create the action, before you create the life and result. Like you said, mindset is everything. So if we're able to manage and control up to a certain extent our thoughts and our emotions, this definitely changes everything. And it's so much easier to put these habits in place when we have the mindset that goes with it. Totally. And, and sometimes just some understanding as well. So you just mentioned emotions there. And on a, wearing my 
therapist hat, uh, I would always say that emotion will beat logic. And often that is the challenge for people. People will go on, you know, massive courses, you know, for example, Mastery University, like I did with Tony Robbins. And, and this is no criticism of Tony whatsoever, but they will maybe a year or two later find themselves back in a little bit of a groundhog day pattern. And then they sort of hate themselves. It's like, I know better. Why aren't I, you know, changing that behavior? I know it's what I want to do. I'm aiming to do it. Why am I falling back into that pattern? And often that is because the emotion um, is overriding it. And the emotion will have been installed probably in your early childhood or at some, you know, deep traumatic or significant time and so that's why I will always say it, it's a bit like a garden if you want an absolutely beautiful beautiful garden with no weeds sometimes you do have to pull the weeds up by the roots um, so there is a little bit of that work sometimes to be done but I think the point is you will know if you've done all the other cognitive and coaching work and you're still falling back into a little bit of a pattern that is making you feel like you're failing just say to yourself, I think my emotion is winning here. <laughs> why, why is my emotion winning here? Um, and you're kind of on to the, the solution at that point. Yes, and a lot of people don't like to admit that emotions win over logic. Well, no, and a lot of people don't have the luxury, do they? I mean, my own partner and, you know, I'm the poster girl for I've come through reset. I've come through two divorces and now I'm in the best relationship of my life. But boy, have I worked hard on it. And my partner has also come through two divorces um, and I'm in my 50s. He's in his 60s, but he's ex-military and he's seen a lot of active service and we've been watching a program about the SAS and recruitment. And I think we mentioned this in one of our groups that I wouldn't want to think that a member of the SAS, if my life and country depended on it, is going to sort of sit down and hold hands and sing Kumbaya and kind of get, get at, a, at a very important time, maybe. Well, how am I feeling about, how am I feeling about this? Um, the trouble is in a lot of those roles, they get into such a habit of overcoming and suppressing their emotions for absolutely obvious life and death reasons that, that it can be hard to get back in touch with them. Yes, and I think that's also happens sometimes with people in business where it's maybe not life and death, but people treat it as such and they're used to squashing their emotions. 100%, 100%. Um, and I think particularly because, you know, I, I started work in the 80s, you know, and there was quite a patriarchal um, and society and, and even through the 90s. And when I interview people like Anne Widdicombe, former MP, and when I think about people like Margaret Thatcher, perhaps, and I met Margaret Thatcher several times, I even did some work with 10 Downing Street, I just think they had to kind of outmen the men um, because I think at that time the 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 yin, the feminine energy, was seen as weakness in leadership and in work. It, it was seen as weakness. Um, thank goodness it's changing, but I, it, it saddens me that it's been so slow to change. I'll be honest. So, yin and yang energy, and that yin energy, and and what we bring with a, maybe a more touchy feely emotional energy, um, I think can greatly enhance business. Clearly, in a measured way. 
But that's the same with the the yang energy that sometimes you do have to go, right, we haven't got time to discuss this. We're just going to push on through. Absolutely get it if you're a frontline soldier. I do get that. But you're right. Maybe in the boardroom, that's not always the solution. And I think part of it was, you know, we've had 20, 30 years of thinking that's what leadership looks like. It's kind of shouty. It's rather male you know, in the 90s, I had a business psychologist in my business, and he taught me how to behave like a man in a boardroom. Because I'd go into these massive meetings with lots of other agency heads, I'd be the PR agency, maybe head, we'd be on a half a million pound account for a client, and there'd be the ad agency and the brand manager and the marketing, you name it. And I learned these ways of behaving which basically mimicked being a man. Uh, I would take a power position at the table. I learned a very important one, which is that women smile too, please, and men smile when pleased. <laughs> so I'd like be going, don't smile, don't smile, don't smile. There'd be in a dialogue going on in my head. And it was exhausting, Katie. It was absolutely exhausting because... I was trying to be something I genuinely wasn't. I managed to pull it off, but, you know, it was like, why? And that's where I'm at now. Why Why is that necessary? <laughs> Wonderful. And to come back to the realigned leader, it sounds to me that you're also, in this case, looking at how people can use their yin energy and not only lead from a place of yang. 100 Hundred percent, and that applies to men and women alike. Absolutely. Um, so it's about so much more than just how you perform within the business. It's really about yeah, realigning yourself to your best self across every aspect of your life. And I can speak with authenticity because I've done it. I've walked that path. I've been immersed in this world since the nineties, um, and this, you know, I don't. I don't want to sound grandiose like this is my life's work, but I genuinely kind of do feel it is my life's work. I think it brings together my best life experience to really impart that to others. Rosaline, I can't believe we're all already at the end of the show. It has gone by so quickly. Thank you. Where's the best way that people has? What's the best way people can get in touch with you? So my website is www.rosalindpalmer.com. Um, within there, there's freebies, there's forms, there's contact forms, etc. I don't have any information about the realigned leader because I'm really handpicking or having one-on-one conversations with people. So if you'd be interested in that, please email us at hello at rosalindpalmer.com. And if you basically Google Rosalind Palmer, you'll find me on Twitter, on LinkedIn, across social media. So hello at rosalindpalmer.com. Reach out to me on social media or fill in the form on the website. Fantastic. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Rosalind. You're welcome. Thank you so much. It's been a really, really interesting conversation. Thanks, Katie. Thank you.